0: You're listening to What It's Like With Luce, a podcast highlighting ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm your host, Lucy Norris, and on today's episode, I'm chatting with founder and CEO of GripMat, the a multi-purpose, non-slip, flexible tool tray. Coming from a small conservative farming town in Ohio, this week's guest didn't come from an area that encouraged becoming hugely successful struggling with imposter syndrome, he began his working life in the Air Force National Guard so he could go to college and study mechanical engineering. From his early days playing with Lego, he'd always had a knack for innovation. So it was no surprise that on identifying a big pain point in his job as a jet mechanic, he set about creating a solution. Tired of his tools slipping off the curved surface of the aircraft, he took inspiration from the non-slip phone mat in his mom's car and Gritmat was born. Bringing the product to life is only the beginning of his incredible story, as he quickly sold to the likes of NASA, the FBI, Disney, and secured fans in the Shark Tank Judges, where he appeared to successfully pitch his idea. Named one of 2018's best innovators by Time magazine, here's what it's like to be Tom Burden welcome tom thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today i really appreciate you giving up your time um i think a really nice starting point to kick off the whole conversation would be to share a little bit about your experience growing up
1: so yeah growing up in ohio is like a pretty small small part in town but yeah it, it uh it was very interesting especially with what we're seeing now with very huge events happening in our in our country in our world right now with you know, COVID-19 with, you know, BLM where in my hometown, it's, it's very, um, I want to say like secluded, but very, um, like it's, it's pretty far out in the boonies. So the concept of, of like diversity is like very low as well as like the concept of, of having to like wear a mask is like almost unheard of. So, um, they, I feel like my hometown is like, um, not the not the most progressive on adjusting to to new topics like that. So um, it has been interesting, like seeing, you know, talking to people back in my hometown of like how things are going. Like my dad was really upset about um, having to wear a mask when he goes into Menards, <laughs> and uh, uh, this was like at the at the peak of the of everyone wearing masks. And and here, like in in Hawaii, like everyone wears masks anywhere you go so it's like not even a question like like do i have to wear a mask like you leave you have a mask on if you want to go into a restaurant or any any like residence or any like store or anything you have to have a mask on so um i i even got turned away from like going up to a food truck um so it's just funny because there there's like some places you have to wear a mask and then you don't really have to or they might um have a sign up for a mask, and then they don't really follow the rules. But uh, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty interesting. Um, You know, when you're raised in in like a small town, you think like, that's the world, you know, and then you start to get out and you're like, oh, wow, the world's like much different. So
0: obviously, you know, you've created a product. Um, So Mm -hmm. do you think that that maybe need or interest in innovation was always there um, from a young age? Or is it something that came later on in life?
1: Yeah, so I, I always had a, an interest in making new things. That was really, really came from playing with Legos as a kid. Um, I guess like, you know, becoming an entrepreneur was was um, kind of taboo. I, I feel like my parents really like put a, like a small seed into the beginning. But then like I, I, I dealt with a, a hardcore imposter syndrome, which, um, you know, in my being from like a small farm town, there's a, there's like a deep sense of mediocrity and like the desire to be mediocre and like stay in the middle of the road and don't stick out too high or too low. Um, you know, you don't wanna be like make too much money, but you also don't wanna make too little money um, And or same with success. Like you don't wanna be like too successful and like cause a ruckus. You also like don't wanna be someone who's like dragging behind. So, um, you know, it was pretty, pretty hard for me to like break through that um, small town mindset where, um, you know, like, like the core of it was a lot of comparison, you know, like the core of it was looking at other people, seeing what they have and like, all right, I'm going to see what everyone else has. I'm going to get like 10% better. I'll be like a little bit better, but like where in reality, I'm not, like, what, what I encourage is like just being the best person that you can be. Um, which requires only comparison to yourself. Um, so, yeah, breaking through that was was uh, quite the journey.
0: Do you think that you managed to break through that um, through finding your interest that you then went on to, I guess, study more of in mechanical engineering? Do you think that was your way of maybe carving more of that path to creating things?
1: Uh, mechanical engineering did help to a point uh (laughs) mechanical engineering is like it's very interesting because so when i was like six i was my mom took me somewhere to get pictures and she was like you know where do you want to what do you want to get pictures what do you want to get a picture with and i was like i want to get pictures with legos and um the photographer said to me she was like what do you want to be when you grow up And i said an inventor and she goes oh so you will go to college for engineering. So I was like, yep, that's what I want. i want to be, you know, go to college for engineering. So um, then I became, I went to college for engineering and I remember the, so the last class that you have is called senior capstone, where you make something new. Um, so you're supposed to use like all your skills that you have and you're about to make, you, you got to come up with something new that's going to solve a problem. And at that point, I realized that engineers are not inventors. I realized engineers are people who are given problems and they do what they can to solve the problem. They're they're actually given problems and they're told how to solve the problem and that's how they solve problems. Where inventors identify problems themselves and find simple solutions to, to solve those problems. So I remember when I walked into Capstone, I actually like missed the first day because I was doing something uh, with grip mat and I had this new idea for like um, for people on the battlefield um, in the military. I was, I was in the air force at the time. And I remember, I remember walking to the class and someone I went to high school with came up to me and he goes, Hey man, you got a group yet? And I was like, no, I missed the first day. Not don't have a group. He goes, well, if you, if you want, man, you can join my group. I go, okay what what are you what are you making and he goes oh we're making a tennis ball launcher and i was like <laughs> um so is this like a like capstone We make something new right yeah yeah totally make something new um i was like so is there anything like out there that's similar to this he's like um i don't yeah i mean there might be i mean there's like the tennis ball like thing with a wheel or, like sh- like the tennis ball shooter but like this is a launcher <laughs> like um uh, okay like so how's this different he's like well you know we're gonna make it like less complex and we're gonna make it like cheaper and I was like all right I think I'm just gonna start my own group <laughs> like, <thank you. laughs> like I'm like I'm kind of out on that so that's I, then I, I started seeing more ideas like that and I was like really like no one I was like I've been waiting for this class to make something new like like thinking about it this should have been class one (laughs) you know of like all right we're gonna make something new because I I didn't realize how much training people needed in like identifying a problem and like creating a solution because I was I'm like I'm I can uh, like as an inventor I'm always identifying problems and like creating simple solutions I'm just what I needed help with at the time was like connecting those dots of like Okay, here's my simple solution how do i just make that you know here's the grip mat it's a rubber tray how do i just like make the rubber tray i don't know how to prototype it at the time um so yeah it was pretty pretty interesting of like the concept of innovation within engineers so
0: yeah i know that is really interesting and one thing you said there which you know i think ties into the whole thing well as part of your founding story too you were in the air force which mm-hmm. i find so interesting as, Uh, Coming from a country where we don't, I think, I don't know if we have an Air Force, actually. (laughs) I know we have an army, but (laughs) we're not really a very strong military base over here in Ireland. So um, I don't really know too much about that and what that experience would have been like. So can you share a little bit about why you went into it and what those years were like for you?
1: Yeah, so here in the United States, um, the military is, they have a a lot of benefits for people who join the military. Um, So the core reason, I mean, growing up, I always wanted, I felt like called to be a part of the military. Um, The brand of the military is very strong here in the United States. And, um, you know, they always have like recruiters at schools. And like, what they'll do is a lot of times if if you um, end up joining, like they'll give you some time. So after you do all your training, you'll get like leave which is like a like a vacation like you can you have time off and um, they'll basically like you'll go home and typically you go home and then what you can do is work with a recruiter for like a week or two and go to your school and like talk to people that you went to high school with and like encourage them to, to do the same. Now the thing is when you're doing that it's kind of like extending your vacation if, if you know what I mean, like, yeah, you're like at the school, but you're kind of like hanging out with you're hanging out in your hometown, you're hanging out with people that you know, and friends and family. So um, yeah, would see a lot of those people in high school. And then the core of it was it was free college was they'd pay 100% tuition. So um, being in the National Guard, which means um, so the National Guard is a branch, like under the Air Force. So the Air Force has like active duty which they work full-time and then and then national garden reserves are like part-time so they'll go to the the base like one week in a month so sign up for part-time you get like 100 tuition paid you get twenty thousand dollar sign-on bonus and then they also pay you for your training and pay you every time you go to the base so um being 18 that was like a really good deal and yeah uh, yeah yeah, i did not want to get into any college debt so i was like all right let's do it so, um, yeah, it was it was quite the experience, I would say, like, the being in the National Guard was was like a pretty big like culture shock and like, got me out of, um, you know, the, the, like, there's definitely like more diversity. Yeah, the, the military here is, uh, is like, very popular, very big. Um, United States puts a lot of funding towards towards the military. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I used it to uh, use the benefits to, like, really impact the rest of my life.
0: And so your um, product or your brand is Gritmat. Um mm-hmm. So I guess, how did, how did that come about? What's the story behind the idea? And because I think that you founded it in 2013. I don't know if I'm wrong about that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there was a lot of, uh, you know, I was struggling. So my job, so... Um, To kind of like clarify like perception of military a little bit is i my job was to be an f-16 mechanic so a lot of people think oh you're in the military you're like you got a gun and you're like in the desert and you're like you know um where I, i would work on the jets so um we would be like if i were to get deployed anywhere i'd be at the base like staying at the base making sure the jets were always fixed so I I would work on like the the machine gun on the jet. And um, yeah, I was tired of my tools sliding off the aircraft. And uh, I, you know, it's it's a really big pain point because like the jet is pretty high up. It's on a curved surface. Um, Specifically where I was working was like one of the most curved spots. And um, I, you know, you cannot lose any tools, you cannot lose any, like it's the smallest nut or bolt, like can't can't lose anything. And um, there's not too many places to set your tools. And I'm like, I, I was like, you know, I really wanna solve this problem. And I was coming up with all these different ideas on how to solve the problem where like, as an inventor, like I didn't realize what I was doing before, But but as an inventor, what I'll do is I'll like record my voice talking about like a new idea um, sometimes I can't identify the new idea. I'm just identifying the problem. So at this point, I'm just like, you know, I want to solve this problem that's on the jet. And then later I'll like think about what's, you know, how can I like solve this, this problem? And um, later in my mom's car, there was a non-slip mat on her dashboard that would like hold her cell phone in place when driving. So like it would like grip. So it wouldn't slide when she's driving. And I was like, well, you know, it'd be nice if we had that on, you know, the jet so we could like set tools on it. Yeah. That's really how it started. What, what I didn't realize was that, you know, this tool organization. So what, what I didn't realize is the problem, the specific problem that I was, that I was identifying was, was keeping, keeping your tools accountable during maintenance. So there's a lot of like ways to keep tools accountable, like pre and post maintenance but as a mechanic you know if you're working on jets if you're working on on boats or cars or anything you know in a single shift you could work on one to a dozen different aircraft or cars or whatever so so the thing is you know when you're done and you bring your tools back and you're checking to make sure you have all your tools in there you know sometimes or oftentimes something's missing and you're like I have no idea where that is. I've been working for, you know, eight to 12 hours. So, um, that was, that's like the core of, of the grip mat where I uh, initially I was like really focused on keeping it, you know, keep uh, initially I wanted, I was focused on like, like air force fighter jet maintenance, which is like crazy tiny. (laughs) And then, then I started going to like, okay, how about we get into like aviation or then I was just like, military aviation. Then it was like general aviation. Then it was like, oh, like aviation automotive. And now it's like anyone who has tools, who wants to like stay organized, anyone who's like trying to not scratch a surface or, or, um, you know, anyone who's like, doesn't like losing things (laughs) (laughs) that that we're looking for. So
0: were you in the military the whole time you were, I guess, prototyping this, putting all the plans together, building your company, or had you left to work on the idea at this point?
1: So at this point, I was National Guard, so I was working like part-time. So I was um, either at the base, I was, you know, taking college classes, or, you know, I was working on GritMat. So sometimes i would try to like make them all make all three of them work together of like um like i had a engineering safety course and i had to do a project of like why you know what would be a new safety product so i like did it around grip mat and like talked about how it'd be safety at the base and stuff so um yeah yeah so always oh, yeah basically in college and in air force at the same time
0: That's really impressive. That's a lot of stuff to juggle at once, (laughs) considering how successful you've made your brand. And I know, um, so you, you work with NASA, like you work with crazy big people to to sell your product. So I guess like in a nutshell, I don't want to make you drag out like every detail, but how did you, how do you think you got yourself to that point to get people interested, you know, in, in this, this product, people like NASA. Time Magazine called you one of the best innovators of, I think it was 2018, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. yeah, like how, how did you do it, I guess?
1: Yeah, I, there's, I guess like persistence is like a, is a massive, massive point. Like when people say persistence, it's, I, I feel like the average person's level of persistence, I, I, I like definitely go, go higher than that. Um, You know, the the concept of persistence is is very key. And, um, you know, also there's a point of like, I feel like a lot of people fall into this, like self-worth trap. So like, you know, a lot of these trade shows, like how we got NASA is that we went to a trade show and I just walked up to a lady who I was like, she, she, she was at this booth with a magazine and I was like do you write articles <laughs> <And> she's <laughs> like yeah and I was like would you write an article about me
0: <laughs> I love <laughs> she, that that's ballsy like, <laughs>
1: yeah yeah so I mean the thing is I'm at a booth so this I was at NBAA National Business Aviation Association which is like this is this is where I think like crazy amount of it's it's like 60 percent of all the money spent in the aviation industry happens at this show. So this is like a very big show. So I'm at the show and I've got a booth that doesn't have carpet because I it was that cost $300. I was at a booth where like the display that I have of the grip mat was made out of, like I made it myself out, out of the, the house I was living. I took a door off the wall and I, and I cut it up to make a display and then I just painted it black. <laughs> and then I had this table from like the Airbnb that we were staying at. I brought the table there and I just like covered it with a black sheet and then like I have this display. So like that's what my booth looks like next to someone like Boeing, someone who's like building an entire new aircraft. So, you know, there's that like you can get intimidated really quick where
0: yeah, <laughs> it, was me,
1: it was me and three other guys and like this guy that was working part time I remember i remember he was like he he's a graphic designer he he, he walks onto the booth he's like <laughs> he's like this, this is it this is the booth and i was like yeah i was like this is all i brought like so it was what i just described and then we had like one of those like pull up banners and then we had like flyers and uh I was like, yeah, so just like, you know, show them this is the picture. Once they see the picture, they'll understand like here, they can like touch it and it's on the curve display. And uh, and I remember the entire, all three of the guys were like, so one guy was working part-time. One was a friend who just wanted to go to that, who was an aviation nerd. Another another friend was, um, he was in between jobs. He's never been on a plane before. He liked doing sales. And um, I was like, you know, round trip ticket to to Orlando was like ninety bucks. I was like, "Hey, I'll pay for everything if you just come and help at the booth." So, so you know, two of the guys were just like not really vested into it. The guy who's working part time was like, "Dude, I'm I gotta like, you know, he's more vested into it." And uh, <laughs> so they're kind of like, "Well, okay, we'll give it a try." And I'm like, "Look, we're going to talk to every single person that walks by. We're going to talk to every single booth we possibly can." So. The thing is, yeah, I walked up to her and I said, hey, can you write a news article or could you write an article about me? But the thing is, before that, I probably talked just that day, probably to 150 people saying the same thing. Like not, will you write an article about me? But I would say, hey, this is my first time at NBAA. Um, You know, I just here to network and meet meet, meet other vendors and... You know, I just wanted to hear about what you what you got. And I wanted to, you know, tell you a little bit about grip, And then, you know, I would do that with every single booth every single day. And um, I'm either that or I'm at the booth, like talking to everyone that's walking by. So, um, yeah, we end up getting she ended up writing an article and then um, that article is what someone from NASA read and then they ordered on our website. And they ended up like breaking the website for like because of their order. And then they called me and was like, she she didn't say NASA, she said like national aeronautical space, whatever. Uh and then I was like, I think that's NASA is what I was saying when she's <laughs> talking. And then and then she I was I was like, I remember I like I was thinking so hard, like, is this NASA right now? And then And then she, she was like, I go, actually, could you just like send me an email and then um, I'll like make sure it gets squared away. And then she's like, yeah, I can do that. So then she sends me an email and I got this like email attachment or email set up where like, if they like send me an email or they like open an email, it'll like their name will pop up and somehow like it like generates a picture to that person. So it 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 had the picture of like the NASA, like they call it a meatball. It's like a, like a blue circle thing. And when that popped up, I was like, oh my god, this is like NASA. This is a real NASA. Like this is <laughs> this is really this NASA. isn't
0: a scam. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, right, right, yeah. Like was, yeah, I definitely thought it was a scam or like
0: that's know, crazy.
1: It. And then uh yeah, so I mean, the thing is most people would have probably quit once they saw the booth the way it was looking and most people probably wouldn't have talked to like you know 150 people 150 booths every single day you know they probably wouldn't have like kept pushing kept pushing and then also being at that show boeing was so boeing owns this company called avial which avial is like the amazon of aviation so um the Aviol like bigwigs were leaving a meeting and it was like it was really busy at the show. And they, so instead of walking down the main drag, they all walked down this like side hall, which where I was at. And that's when they saw the grip mat. And that's, they were just like, they're like, is this like, where did they're like, do we have this in our system? And I, and the guys in my booth were like, no. Um, They're like, why isn't this in our system? And they're like, it's our first (laughs) time here. (laughs) We've never met at the time we didn't even know what AVL was and then um so it was just kind of like going for it really so that persistence and also like I say persistence and not like really trying to perfect I see a lot of people um perfect right away and it, it really uh slows them down so um you know it's it's just like hey go to a trade show and pitch a product with an imperfect booth and like with something that's imperfect you're like oh no I don't why would I do that it's just like so, you know, or you got like 20 minutes to sign up for this this trade show and you got an hour to pack. You know, do the best you can in that 20 minutes. And, you know, so um, yeah, I think that's what's really propelled me forward.
0: I love that story from a makeshift booth made out of a door <laughs> and an Airbnb <laughs> table to an email from NASA. That's really <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, And going back to that, point you were talking about persistence it's really clear um, from listening to you just speaking there that you definitely do have a level higher than I guess the average person of really believing in what you're doing and pushing for it until you make some progress do you think that having been through something as rigorous I imagine as basic training is and that military lifestyle helped with that or do you think you've just always had that that inclination
1: um I I would say You know, there there is a sense of like when you do get through basic training, you're like, you're like, you know, feel like you've been through the worst (laughs) Uh, or been through like some rough, rough points. So things will get easier. I I think like what I've been recently realizing is that the one of the most beneficial things from the military that I've that I've been seeing is is um, getting feedback and like being told what to do and just doing it um where you know you could be told i've been told to do weird shit in the military like like there was something wrong with my shirt and i remember he was like <laughs> the instructor was like stay in the corner and i want you to lift your shirt up over your head like this and stay there until i tell you you can leave i was there for like over an hour um oh my yeah, it was it was like, like so. There it was actually to a point where other people that were going through basic training, they're like, "Where's burden at?" Like, I don't. <laughs> where's he at? Like, I thought he was in the bathroom. He's not in the bathroom. Like, and then they're like, "Oh, he's still in the corner." Um, and he he was like, anyway. So the thing is, you just do it. You just don't have rebuttal. So right now, what I'm what I'm feeling is that there's a lot of. Um, you know now when it's like hey your booth looks like shit you need to fix it it's like all right yeah um, how do we do that <laughs> let's okay cool we know how to do it let's let's go fix it it's not like oh, you think my booth looks bad like yeah just that's feedback just take the feedback and just keep moving forward so
0: yeah i'd say that's pretty helpful as an entrepreneur because i'm sure you go through so many different you know problems or roadblocks or whatever to just be able to separate that and not take it personally and just take action rather than thing. I think everyone overthinks way too much. So that's that's really cool to hear that you're able to do that. Um, and then you secured that deal with NASA, which must have been huge, not just in terms of your business, but such an accomplishment for yourself too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then what, what happened next, I guess, in terms of expansion or the next steps or, or how do you top getting that email from NASA?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's funny because I like, so I put on Facebook, it was like, got a call from NASA today. And people were just going nuts on Facebook. And uh, like, I think in like 20 minutes, I had like 300 likes. It was just people <laughs> freaking out. And then, uh, yeah, there was one point that we like sold to the FBI. And Oh my uh,
0: gosh. Yeah, that must so, have been so cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like uh, we sold some to like Disney to work on their to work on the new Star Wars set. So, so anyway, I put, like, I put on there, got a call from the FBI today, or got a call from Disney today. So it's funny because like just, one of my friends put on his Facebook, he's like, got a call from Tom Burton today.
0: <laughs> Made <laughs> <Yeah>. it.
1: Because <laughs> yeah. there, there was one point where I, when it was time to go on Shark Tank, I put, got a call from Shark Tank today, and then it's because it was kind of like an ongoing joke. Um, but yeah, I guess, so after you, you sell to NASA, that's the next step was like, we were getting ready to to go from one product to three products, uh, three sizes, a small, medium, large. And then, um, yeah, then we did the Kickstarter. I did a Kickstarter and uh, the Kickstarter was fist fight. That was like very tough. Um, we did, I did uh, 113,000, on the Kickstarter, and then a total of like 160,000 in pre-orders. So um, the the thing is, it's weird because before, if you were to ask me like, it's "160,000 a lot," you'd be like, "Dude, that'd be a dream. That'd be great if I get 160,000." But the thing is, after everything was said and done, I was in the hole like roughly three thousand dollars. So um, they're just like, the the tough part with with Kickstarter is like. I mean, here in the United States, we got two-day shipping with Amazon. Sometimes two-hour shipping. And uh, so now, what you're doing is, is with a Kickstarter, you're like, hey, it might be like six months to a year shipping. Like, we don't really know when you'll get your product. So what's happening is you're spending more money to like acquire that customer, and then you're also, um, you're also like they're wanting typically because they're new they want a discount or they're early they want like a discount so you're spending more money to convert somebody and you're like needing to give them like a cheaper price so it's it's really really tough and like really thin margins with with a kickstarter so um yeah it, it a kickstarter is like it's possible, but it's and that was definitely like a big stepping stone for Grip Map. But that that's like, be prepared for a fist fight. It's not you're not gonna like. I mean, I, I talked to a guy who he put on Kickstarter of like making I think it was like egg salad or something, and raised like sixty grand. I think it was like sixty four thousand oh dollars. So God. like, you know, it is possible, like throw something up there and like it just oh my god i just woke up and there's 60 grand on there but like that is very 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 minute and i honestly think that those days are over where like early days of kickstarter there was a lot of exposure to kickstarter and there was not a lot of um high quality um pages on kickstarter so now now like you look at some of them it looks like a like a professional like TV show, you know, you, you got like real top notch videographers because people are recognizing the value. So thing is in the early days when there's that imbalance of like, there's a lot of traffic and like not a lot of people posting on it, that's when you can do the egg salads type stuff. But like now it's like, you gotta, you gotta like step your game up in a different way. Yeah, that was basically the next step <laughs> it was the Kickstarter.
0: Yeah. It sounds like it was an interesting um, time period in your company and for yourself as well. Um, and obviously you did go on shark tank, which was huge. Yeah. I watched your, your segment. Um, you're very impressive, very good speaker and pitching. <laughs> um, so I guess what I'm wondering is why you decided to do that in the first place? Because, you know, it's evident you were doing so well, people loved your product um, and, Whilst it is a business show and, and, you know, you can get money out of it and, and publicity and things like that. I can imagine there must be some fear that maybe it won't go so well and you might, the producers might make you look bad or something like that and you could potentially damage the work that you've done. So what spiked that decision and did you have fears about it?
1: Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fear about it. Uh, honestly, like it might have been a few days before when I was going into the hotel, I was like checking into the hotel and I was like, I was about to have a meltdown. I remember like there was a line, so I just, I I just walked into the gym and like looked like I was acting like I was looking around, but I just like found a back room in the gym and I just started crying. Oh, <laughs> so, I was I was like about to to break. <laughs> and uh, yeah, when we, so we do you do like a rehearsal with like um, all like the the cast, like none of the sharks, um, you know, like the. You know, the camera crew or the producers and director. Um, we, we did a practice run of like your initial pitch, and I just like completely froze. Like, I bombed it bad. And uh, it was afterwards, my producer comes up to me and she goes, she's like, Do you pray? Do you want to? She's like, I don't pray, but like, I could pray if you would have like- <laughs> <Not bad. laughs> yeah.
0: Way to make you feel confident.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like, I'm not praying. Like you know, Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she like didn't know what to say and then uh yeah I mean there was there was a lot of um stress around it but it, it was just kind of like it was kind of funny because there was a guy on our team who like we we did this like SEMA launch pad it's SEMA is like a really big auto and automotive trade show and uh, there was like a practice pitch with that and I bombed it and the guy that was on the Grimmat team he goes yeah that means you're going to do good he's like you usually bomb it before you knock it out was <laughs> like, and I was just like, yeah, it's kind of true. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not like planning on bombing things and like, Oh, I, I showed up really crappy. So that means we're going to do great. It just kind of like, it, there's almost like this course correction of like, I'm overly confident. And then I bomb it like, okay, now we got to get our shit together. And we got to like, really, practice really really hard to to make sure our pitches right so um, I think that's what's kind of happening with, with that but yeah it was kind of I guess had the mentality of like <laughs> you know you're you're getting the opportunity to, to pitch in front of Richard Branson and, and it's like no effort what I say is like no effort will be lost to or no opportunity will be lost due to my effort so it, it's like I'm going to swing as hard as I can I'm going to swing for the fences like that was kind of how I my mindset with it so it turned out pretty well and uh yeah I mean like people will say like you're already getting sales why wouldn't you go in Shark Tank um there's a lot of like branding with it you know that people like branding and just like word of mouth you know people love the show people love to talk about it like my hometown is like so crazy about you know the Shark Tank episode and uh you know, there's shark, shark tank provides a lot of exposure. And the way that I felt is like, once I got three sharks, I'm like, now I got to hustle harder. I got three people like watching me, making sure like, uh, you know, you know, rock knocking it out of the park. So um, I feel like a lot of people don't look at it like that. Um, people would see me working harder and then be like, the, like, well, isn't Mark Cuban helping you? Like, I don't just sleep till noon and expect Mark to answer the phone. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like <laughs>
0: that'd be a nice life <laughs>
1: yeah right right you think like that's that's like i think mark cuban's like yeah actually i'll pay him money and then i'll do everything and then he can just like go on vacation that's how that's how it'll work um, <laughs> that's how people think for some reason
0: and do the sharks actually make themselves available to you afterwards say richard branson you know if you do have a question or you want to ask him something like can you reach out or is he kind of no oh, that was the program and that's the end of the line
1: The thing is, you typically, like, I almost, like, don't want to ask them a question. Like, if I got a question about Amazon, I don't want to ask Mark. I want to ask Mark's Amazon specialist. Um, So it's just, like, it's honestly, like, a waste of time to ask them certain questions. So it's just, like, I mean, there's certain things with, like, QVC or, like, selling to, like, the female audience. Like, you got to, like, I want like specifically Lori's opinion and like focus, you know, but there's sometimes where it's like, I mean, usually I'm asking questions of like, if you know what Clavio is, it's a it's a email marketing system. And I'm like, Mark doesn't sit around all day looking at best ways of like doing Clavio, but he has someone on staff who does that. And that's who I wanna talk to. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's times uh, like, I would say definitely Mark's made himself the most available. He like did a Shark Tank update with us. Um, he like spoke at a at a Air Force event called Spark Tank where it's like creating new ideas in the Air Force. You know, that that gave a lot of like branding and attention within the Air Force of like me and Grit Matt. So yeah, they, they do definitely like, the Sharks do make them more of it like, themselves available afterwards but uh yeah just i don't know <laughs> So like i'm it's not like a saturday night and i just call up you know richard brands like hey
0: leading on from that um what do you think the future holds for you and uh grip Mad as well do you have anything in the works for the coming years or do you think you've done all you can do for that brand and you maybe have another idea in you or, or what's next
1: yeah so i always got always got new ideas but uh I want to like grow GripMat into like being more of like an online tool brand, but like more specifically, like creating an ecosystem of products that's going to you know help our users be more efficient. Um, What what I really want to be is like the leading online tool brand. It's
0: very clear, I think, listening to you tell your story throughout the course of the conversation, that you have definitely experienced success in your life. Um, So I would be curious to know what your personal definition of success is.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Um, I guess the way that I would, like, measure success, I I measure this with myself and measure this, like, with other people, is... I would say the rate of change between like um, your previous generation and you. So I met a guy who was a, he had two, he was a doctor and a dentist. And I was like, Whoa, that's crazy. But his dad, his grandpa and his great grandpa, all were doctors and dentists combined. And then I realized, that's not impressive. You became a doctor and a dentist when your entire life, you've been told that you can do this. And, you know, you've been told how to do it. You know, the thing is, if if you're a doctor and a dentist, and like, you came from a trailer park, that's impressive. Yeah, you. So so that's like the rate of change from generation to generation. So, you know, I'm not really impressed by the guy who's a doctor and a dentist when he was raised by an entire family of doctors and dentists you know if you're the if you're the first person to go to like nfl like professional football and your entire family like okay that's impressive um so i guess that's how i measure success is is like you know how are you growing as an individual compared to like like take not putting down your your parents or you know the people who raised you but I guess the way I look at it is like taking what they get gave you and like, what can you create with that?
0: That's a really interesting take on it. I really like that. So different. Um, and you've definitely set the bar very high, high for um, <laughs> your kids. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what the next generation um, of yeah. you does. <laughs> um, and I just have one last question and I'm going to let you get on with your morning. Cause I know I've kept you for ages. Um, if I put your 10 year old self in front of you today, Having been through everything you've been through in life, in your career, building your brand, um, what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give that ten-year-old self moving forward in life?
1: Um, I think I would just. So I've, I've thought about this. My my uncle had asked me some similar question. If if you were to, you know, send yourself a two-word let like note when you turn thirteen, what would it be? I would send a note that said military inventor. Um, now I, I don't know now if I would like keep the word military in there, but I would definitely like let my ten year old self know that um, to be an inventor. Um, and I'd probably tell myself to you know probably talk about like not fearing success and um, like it's okay to be wildly successful. It's okay to be um, you know as successful as you want. And um, I guess I'd probably talk about like leadership is um, I'd probably tell myself to, to seek out more leadership. Um, There's growing up, it was kind of like, don't be a leader unless you're going to get paid more. You know, leaders put themselves through all this, like being a leader was like very negative because you're doing extra work. You're not getting, you know, you're doing a lot more like the concept is like, oh, you're the manager, you do twice as much work, and then you get like a 5% raise. Um, So it wasn't like, you know, really fitting, which being a leader, there's a a lot of benefits to it. So um, yeah, I would say sharpen the leadership skills and like definitely focus on being an inventor.
0: I like that. That's really interesting. Um, And I just want to take this opportunity to thank you so much again. Your story is incredible. I've had so much fun talking to you um, and hearing all of your crazy adventures. Um, So I know everyone will enjoy it too. So thank you so much again. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Awesome being on the show.
0: Thank you so much for listening and as always, please rate, share and leave a comment if you like what you hear. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep up to date with us by following at what it's like pod on Instagram and Facebook. To find out more about Grip Matt and Tom's story, visit the links provided in the show notes. I'll be back next week with more inspiring stories. But for now, this has been what it's like with Loose.